The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narconon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Here we are again. We are episode number 65. And we are absolutely melting in the Florida heat. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, the last, the last could, few episodes, we've said how hot it is. But it it's could insane. be worse. We could be in Los Angeles where it's like 114 degrees. Mm. Now, I realize it's a dry heat, probably comparative. Lee, being in Los Angeles in 114 degrees is like being here in 90 degrees with 90% humidity because at least LA is considered desert. It's unreal. And, you know, of course, when the weather is like this, my mind automatically goes out to the homeless addicts out there who have no shelter from the elements. And we just just ran into one in 7-Eleven on the way here that couldn't afford a little thing of water. And then they ended up just giving it to her. Wow. um, Which I thought was really nice. Uh, But, you know... Homelessness is a side effect of addiction sometimes. And just like in the winters in Massachusetts, I used to think about how many homeless addicts are freezing in their cars or overdosed in their cars and half frozen. I think about the people down here who can't escape the heat, who are fighting their addiction, don't have anywhere to go. Could die of heat stroke. Just as easy. I think I'm that's probably the freezing. last thing on the mind of a heroin addict in the Florida heat, <laughs> unfortunately. I know. Um, but but I just, my heart goes out to those people just because I was there. I know what the situation is, I was that way in South Florida. And so um, I just like to encourage everyone to get help if you can. Exactly. So, Which is the message we keep putting out over and over and over again. Had, we had a good visitor to the center this week. We I'm did. excited about that. It was yes. a local judge and uh, can see that there might be people that through the judicial system could possibly take advantage of the program. That was a good thing. Yeah, I think it's good if people in the local court system, see what we're doing, especially for the community, because a lot of the the circuit court judges and other judges have people in their courtroom who are perpetrators of a crime, usually some in some way, shape, or form relating to an addiction, something they did to support their addiction. And she was glad to know that there was this kind of solution locally, yep. but she didn't even know we existed beforehand. Yep. And so she thinks we're a really good resource, and I think that would be good for people going through the court system that they might have another option other than you know the run-in-the-mill 12-step center right. to actually go and actually try and get clean. Especially since in the same way you mentioned the family last week mm-hmm. and, and using the Baker Act to kind of get off the street, there's also the idea that you know at some point parents maybe at their wit's end who don't know what else to do are going to look at the court system to see if something can be done there. Right. You know, and a lot especially of, when the addict doesn't want help, which we know why that happens. But so right. can we, well, let's see, can a judge tell my son or my daughter that they, you have to get help? So Exactly. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, a lot of families do look to the court systems. You know, I've had families that called in that don't know what to do to get their son or daughter into treatment and they're on probation. So their go-to is call the probation officer, tell them they're using, they get picked up, they get a violation of probation. It kind of goes from there. And uh, sometimes I don't blame them. If, right. You know, if they're not willing to go to treatment, there's nothing they can do it's at least better than them continue, continuing to do what they're doing, which may result in their death. So, exactly. Um, and I also got to meet Bobby Newman. You got to meet and Bobby Newman. For those of you who listened to the podcast and listened to the fact that I, or listened to the episode wherein I interviewed Bobby Newman, he was driving somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he had actually pulled over to the side of the road so that we could do that interview. And so I felt bad yesterday because sometimes I see people that I've met before and I'm going to apologize to our guest right now. If I see you at the center and I forget your name, please don't hold it against me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, I, but I will see some of the students that we've interviewed and some of the graduates. And I 
I, I just blank out on the names because yeah. we've done so many at this point. So Bobby walked up to me and said, are you Joni? So oh, I'm Bobby Newman. And I started to feel bad. And then I went, <laughs> oh, no, I haven't met you. I actually haven't met you in person. So yeah, it's it was, funny. Uh, good to meet him. He's a huge person. Yes, he is. Perfect interventionist. He's Absolutely. A big, he's a big boy. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you showed up at my door and I was strung out and refusing to go to treatment, I probably might think twice that he might hit me. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's also a nice guy. Very nice guy. <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing that's wonderful about him as far as an interventionist goes, he was an addict at one point. Yeah. He, he knows what the deal is. He does. And so I don't think anyone could be an interventionist that has no reality on addiction no. because it just doesn't work. And um, In the same way that you... And a lot of the other staff at Narconon mm-hmm. have been there and have experienced it so that when someone comes in, you have reality. You have to. Yep. I mean, every time I was in a 12-step rehab and that therapist would sit across from me saying, yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. You want to shoot heroin? I'm like, no, you don't. How do you possibly understand that? Yeah. You studied this in a textbook. So right. it just gives us like a reality point with the students on the program. It's like, well, we've been there. We've done that. We've all kicked up. We've all come through. We've gone through the program and got our lives back. Exactly. So... So we have someone here to interview today. I'm excited. Yes, we have Jillian. She is a fresh graduate. Graduated yesterday. That <laughs> is so exciting. Hi. Jillian, thank you for being here today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you telling your story. You know, it's it what it's so heartwarming to me that when I get graduates from the program on here and I say, Oh, is it okay if I use your real name? One for one, they all go, Of course, mm-hmm. because you're through the other side of it and willing exactly. to share your story. And I think that's extremely special. Thank you. you know? I feel like that's part of giving back, you know? Exactly. I would agree with you. So the first thing I usually like to start with is how did your journey to addiction start? Okay. So um, probably started about 10 years ago when I went into high school started being introduced to, you know, like alcohol, marijuana, things like that, that were just like occasional on weekends, partying with friends. Um, It pretty much continued to be relatively normal until about college when um, I was off on my own, started experiencing like, you know, having to survive and depend on myself. And I guess that I just wasn't prepared for it or wasn't ready to deal with real life. So I started drinking very heavily, um, abusing marijuana and cocaine more. And I started working downtown in Orlando and I met um, someone at work who introduced me to pills, which we ended up dating. And then that ended up turning into heroin and syringes. And then I was just like on a full-blown addiction. So it was a long road, but once like heavy drugs were introduced, it was a very fast decline. You go down have pretty fast. Very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Had you had any, so you were what, 16, 15? Yeah. Well, I was about, I was 15 when I started drinking and smoking marijuana and stuff. I was 21 when I was introduced to heroin. Okay. And for the listening audience who likes to argue with us about marijuana being a gateway drug, there you go. <laughs> yes, there's alcohol as well, but there you go with the marijuana. Mm-hmm. So your first experience with pills, that was at your job. What was your job at the time? You don't have to say the company. but Working in a bar. In a bar. <laughs> okay. All right. So definitely exposed to it there. And so how did what happened after that? Now you're addicted to heroin. What now? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say for about the first year, I convinced myself that I was functioning 
because I was still in school. I still had friends. I still had a car, a job um, while continuing to use. But shortly after I started using injections like IV use, like things just started falling apart, you know, like I had to work constantly to support myself, have enough money to support my habit. And so with all of that working and focusing on drugs, I dropped out of school, um, start, stopped hanging out with friends, you know, just became like a recluse. It was just me and my boyfriend. And um, yeah, my entire focus just became centered around how am I going to get my next high? How am I going to stay high? And you don't intend for your entire life to fall apart. You know, it just kind of comes with the lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Did you do any other rehabs prior to coming to Narconon? Yes. Um, this past year and a half has been a long spell of rehab after rehab, relapse. Um, Narconon is my fifth or sixth treatment center. I mean, there's been a few in there where I stayed for like a week and then signed myself out because I wanted to get high. So I don't necessarily really count those, but... I would count them. If yeah. we count those, how many do, are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's with the, where the six comes in. This I see. would be, okay. Narconon would be um, my fourth completed treatment center. Got it. Yeah. Got and it. I've been to a lot of, you know, seven day detox centers, um, you know, just get yourself clean for a little bit so you can go back out and just do it all over again type of thing. Yeah, I yeah. want to bring something up with that because yes. I speak to a lot of people who think that's all they need. Mm-hmm. I just need to go to detox get my system cleaned out and then I'll be fine. I'll just like go back to work or go back to school and everything should be okay. I just need to get through the sickness. Exactly. That's what I told my mom before I came to Narconon. I had no clue that I was going to this type of program. You know, I told her, I was like, I've already been through all the treatment centers. I know what I need to do. I just need to get off of this run that I'm on right now. Just check into like a five day detox type thing and then I'll be okay. Everything will be fine. And you know, I know. (laughs) Yeah. I know that that wouldn't have worked out. Right. So Because you've done it. Yeah, I've yeah. done it many times. So when she brought me to Narconon, um, I thought that's exactly what it was going to be. I thought I was going to be in a 28-day program. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into. You know, I was like, whatever, you know, I'll do this. I'll be okay for a few months. And then I'll just go back to this life that I've seemed to be caught in. Right. It was terrible. Right. So were you living at home or your or your parents live in or- the Orlando area? So they were around? Um, well, my mother actually lives here in Clearwater. Okay. I was going to school in Orlando. So that's why I lived over there okay. for about like four or five years. Um, before I came back to Clearwater, I was living in Delray because I went to treatment down there and I was living in a halfway house down there. Okay. For, so I was, down, I was there. I was in Delray for about five months and I was doing well for a little bit. Um. Until, you know, I just got connected with the wrong crowd, started drinking again, and that very quickly led back to my drug use. And But what's funny is that this time around, I actually called my mom, and I was like, Mom, I need help again. Like, I'm going down a path that I already know where it leads to, you know? Right. And like with my past attempts at sobriety, it was always people who had to intervene for me, be like, Jillian, you're on a terrible path, you know? But this time, I was like, I need help again. Right. I need to go somewhere. And then she picked me up and brought me right to Narconon. So she knew about Narconon? I guess so. I guess she had done her research. She, okay. she called in and spoke to, spoke to me. Oh, okay. Um, and she was in a complete panic about what to do. And so yeah. okay. we kind of guided her in the right direction. I think you were there later that same day. Yeah. <laughs> like pretty quick. How did she find out about it? Did she just Through the, I think she looked on Google. Okay. A lot of people, a lot of people throughout the country will Google rehabs near me. 
Okay. And certain things will pop up on Google. And so she happened to be in Clearwater where the first thing that would come up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, yeah. But she's part of the Del Rey Club. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's a, it's a weird little... Yep. <laughs> I, I say it's creepy. It's a little bit like it's a weird little world down in Delray Beach, Boca Raton, Fort Lauderdale area where half the towns are retired people. Right. The other half of the towns are displaced drug addicts going in between outpatients, inpatients, halfway houses, detoxes. And it's very easy to connect up with some really shady people, even if you want to do well. And it's a very clicky thing. And there's all these weird little groups. And it's just very, it's like a very shady feeling that at least for me that I don't think anyone really wants to help me because I think most of these people don't think this even works. Right. But what else do you do? Right. You well, go, you, you were in to, that area. Yeah. yeah. I, went to, I went to six rehabs out there. Um, the thing you do is you bounce in and out. You go to meetings and, you know, people will pick you up and help you from time to time. And it's just like, it's just this weird cyclical thing. And it's almost like you can't get out of it because you don't really realize there is anything else to do. Like, if this doesn't work, I'm screwed. Right. Well, and there's the whole so- sober, how- sober home mm-hmm. thing and some of the rogue rehabs we've had. We've actually interviewed a couple times the, um, oh, I just lost his title. The He's not the public defender. He's the state attorney for mm-hmm. Palm Beach County. Okay. And, um, yeah, that's where I was. Yeah, he's done a huge thing down there of shutting down these sober homes that would take you in as an addict, send you to that rehab there and get a kickback from that rehab. You go do it and then you revert back to drugs and then we get you back in the sober homes and mm-hmm. it's, it's like it's a, a cycle door. it's a never-ending it cycle it that is. i found myself in and so okay so you were in the middle of that okay mm-hmm. so what so you assumed when you came to narcanon it was just going to be same kind same old same old yes i did okay <laughs> I had no idea when was your first clue that this might be a little bit of a different program what part of the program um like my first night in withdrawal, honestly, when um, they weren't giving me, you know, what I was used to, which is like Suboxone or Subutex or other sleeping Valium. pills. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just drugs that I was used to getting in psych wards, detoxes, rehabs, you know, stuff like that. Um, they just were giving me vitamins and like, you know, I thought and they were like doing assists and stuff, you know, stuff to help you like come off of drugs with ease and comfort and I was like what is this like come on I need some Valium or like <laughs> some Suboxone what the heck and I just did you know ask that. for it I'm just curious did you ask for it um I asked if they gave it okay. and they told me no okay. and at that point I was like okay you know what like I was pretty beaten down when I got there and sure. just everyone was so caring and helping mm-hmm. and I was like you know what I'm gonna listen to these people I'm going to do whatever they need me to do because I need to come off of these drugs. I need to get my life back. So everything was really different than what I was used to. But it was awesome, too, because I was like, if I'm going to go into something and it's going to be the same thing that I've kept doing over and over and over again and failing at, like, why am I back? You know, so the fact that it was different was nerve nerve wracking at first, but. It was awesome. Right. What is that thing? Is Definition it pre- of insanity. Doing yeah, the same thing over yeah, and over doing, again. And thinking you'll get a different result. Expecting a different result. Exactly. I went to the same rehab three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Same I was thinking exact the, one. Yeah, I was thinking about <laughs> the th- I was thinking after the third time. I was like, why am I even here? Right. Yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then they, uh, yeah, and then they kick you out when your insurance runs out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Okay. Narcanon is so, completely different. Right. So you, you came to out through the withdrawal, obviously, without the use of further drugs. 
And then, of course, the next step is the New Life Detox program. Yes, the what sauna. What did you experience there? Oh, gosh. The sauna was awesome. Like, I, when I heard they had the sauna, I was so excited because even in my past rehabs, I always said that. Like, the last one that I was at in Delray, they would take us to the gym. And um, I would always go sit in the sauna at the gym because I was like, I know that I have so much stuff in my body, you know, just from years of drug and alcohol abuse that I need to get out. Wow. And like, I knew that even before coming to Narcanon, I learned a lot more about it in Narcanon, but I always said that I was like, dude, I just need to go into like a deep intensified sauna (laughs) and get all these years worth of damage out of my body. Wow. So when I heard about that, I was like, yes, like I've arrived at the right place. Right. And, um, yeah, through the new life detoxification with all of the, uh, vitamins and supplements and oils and stuff like that and like through sweating it all out i started feeling so much better after like a few days you know right um i really noticed a difference in the way i was feeling physically mentally just as a whole new person right did you experience any like I don't know, how could I say it? Like, like weird druggy things happening in the sauna? With, yeah, like okay. manifest manifestations. Yeah, yeah. Um, Share one. Yeah, you know, a little bit. Like, I would, I would zone out a lot. And mm. especially, like, sitting up on the top shelf, sweating a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in there with a couple other people, and we kind of kept each other occupied and, like, supportive. Right. And um, I didn't have anything too crazy happen to me in there like a lot of people have. Okay. I just honestly genuinely started feeling better. That's that's like awesome. each and every day, especially with, you know, running on the treadmill, um just changing my entire lifestyle was awesome. That's awesome. One of the things I was mentioning yesterday when we were touring this judge through was that you're not allowed to be in the sauna by yourself because yes. there have to be other people in there. I'm assuming if there aren't other students there, a staff member goes in, I'm assuming, or like, or watches them. Someone's always watching, but yep. we always pair people up right. basically to go in so they can get each other through it. Because right. At least for me, sauna is extremely difficult because you not only have a lot of physical things going on, but you get a lot of mental stuff that happens too. And mm-hmm. as the drugs run out, there's a lot of changes that occur and things that'll turn on. And so, you know, it's good to ha- always have people in there with each other. We've never been in the position where we didn't have someone to go right. in with another person. That's what so, I'm saying. So, yeah, okay. luckily, so it's not going to be one person no matter right. what. Because that, that could get scary. That'd be lonely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Just get lost in your crazy thoughts. Not exactly. Yet. <laughs> I don't think any of us want to do that. Okay, so you finished that. And then what happened after that? Okay, so after sauna is the objectives portion of the program. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, I've never done anything like objectives in my life. You know, it was a very new experience for me. Yes. So I was pretty excited about it. Um. At first, I was confused like there were things that i wasn't understanding you know i was like what is the possible benefit out of this you know i was very skeptical but just like you know as as you go through it you understand why like with the realizations and uh, my twin was really awesome we helped each other get through a lot of different manifestations and just worked to help like clear each other's minds it was it was great it was a good experience that's awesome. And for the listening audience, when we say twin, it doesn't mean she has an actual biological oh, yeah, yeah. twin. <laughs> but you, when you do these objective um, drills and the whole purpose is to get someone's attention off of the past and on to the present and on to where they are now, because at the point that the student does the objective drills or the objective processes, they've gotten all the drugs out of their system. And so, okay, what now? And so you always do this with someone else and that's your twin. 
Yeah, my twin was someone who came there at the, through the program at the same time as me. You know, we got to withdraw together. And um, I saw a lot of changes in him. And he told me that I saw he saw a lot of changes in me as well. Yeah. You know, some changes that you can't even really see for yourself because you're with yourself 24-7. You know, I had many people throughout the program be like, wow, like, you just seem so much brighter, so much more aware, so much happier. Like even like your smile and your eyes seem more alive. Like it was really awesome hearing that from staff members and other students because sometimes it's not something that you can recognize in yourself as much. And um, my family, being that my mom lives so close, I was fortunate enough that she would come visit me like every Sunday. And just every week she told me how much better and more alive I seemed right well I I didn't know you prior to you doing the program and I you know I was telling Jason it would be an interesting thing to do before and after photos and of course the listening audience can't see you but if I didn't know that you had any sort of a drug history I would never in a million years imagine it because you have such a bright shiny happy face I'm like thank you my goodness not to mention the fact you look like you're about 18 years old oh thank you so much (laughs) it's true I'm serious I mean I, I look I'm like really and you go 10 years ago i'm like really okay well whatever. i appreciate it thank you absolutely so did is there anything maybe personal you could share on the objectives that you you know you think might resonate with people listening yeah you know i i realized a lot of different things throughout the objectives program um basically that one of not the only thing that's been holding me back, but one of the biggest things that's been holding me back from achieving my true potential and keeping me stuck in the cycle of addiction is myself and my thought process and the way that I just figured, you know, I'm always going to be a drug addict. I This is just the way that I operate. Um, I realized that through being in present time, like I can do anything I want to do right. as long as I stay on the straight and narrow and accomplish these goals that I want to accomplish because nothing that I've ever wanted to achieve in life can be achieved through drug addiction. Good point. Yeah. Like I've, I've dwelled on the fact that I've wasted so many years just getting high and like destroying my life. But I kind of got out of that mindset that I've wasted time and I've realized, you know what, I'm only 24 years old and I've just survived the most intense, like, years of my life and now I can start anew and I can start with a new mind a new body and just keep going forward like I feel a new sense of direction and achievement and it's it's great I think that's awesome Mm -hmm. that's absolutely awesome and I think you know you really address one of the points that I hope the listening audience gets you know, I I never know if we have addicts who listen to the podcast or mm-hmm. if it's just the loved ones of addicts. But if there are addicts listening, you know, you're not a throwaway. You know, mm-hmm. you're not sick. You know, you can you can actually beat this, but you're the one that has to make that decision and, and get help and preferably go to someplace like Narconon because it's a different program than oh, yeah, you'll ever experience. Yeah. So what you that well then you do the life skills and the different life skills courses and mm-hmm. you've told us you know, a lot of wins. Anything about those that you'd want to share? Yeah, life skills was awesome. Um, One of the most vital parts of the entire process for me was doing my handlings, which is, you know, confronting the people in your life about things. And it can be good things too, you know, just things that you've been holding in that have kind of been keeping you back from connecting with them or disconnecting with people and really just keeping you stuck in the past and like from moving on, you know, Mm -hmm. I, um, 
I wrote a lot of letters to loved ones, you know, friends, um, family that I just had to let them know that it's not their fault that what happened to me, you know, and like thank them for the support, the constant support and love from them. Um, those were just things that I didn't feel comfortable saying to them when I was stuck in addiction because I was like, why would they believe anything I say? I'm high, you know? Right. So really reconnecting with the people that mean the most to me in my life was a huge part of this process for me. And knowing that, and all of them were so accepting of it too. They were like, we're just so proud of you. We just want you to keep going um, in the same direction that you are. I was like, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Did you, just out of curiosity, did you have to, and maybe you can address this too with other students, did you have to write any letters to people saying, you don't have my best interests in in mind and I'm probably not going to be your friend anymore? Kind of, do you have to do, do you ever do any of those? Yeah. Yeah. Disconnects. Yeah. And and the the only, only, only time a disconnection would be, you know, done is when all other attempts to handle have failed. Okay. Or haven't worked. I see. Okay. Um, Although... We've never had anyone disconnect from family, ever. Right. No, no, no. I know um, I'm not for, talking about and that. And for I'm... people out there, we try to handle them first to a point where the, you know there can be something workable done. And if it's impossible to do so, we will have them disconnect in the best way. That's you know. interesting. Yeah. So when you did the program, Jason, did you write letters to people that maybe had been addicts along with you, but you wanted to see if perhaps you could handle them rather than just... No. I actually called people. Okay. Because I still had okay. a lot of people's numbers and stuff. Because you have to understand, when I went to Narconon, I was fresh out of the Delray Beach area. Yes, you were. And so I had all these people's numbers in my phone. I knew all of them <laughs> were getting high. Yeah. And so um, it was actually really interesting. <laughs> After I went, I went to California, when I got into the sauna detox, one day I came down to the sauna area and I hear a very familiar voice. Really? And I was like, there's no possible way. And I go in and it was a girl that had gone to a different Narcanon center who I had known from the Delray Beach area. Wow. And we both didn't make it. And we all of a sudden we're both in this random center in <laughs> wow. California. She had come there to actually do her sauna program there and then went back to the other center. And so it was just really, really weird. So anyway, so going forward in my phone, I had everything. I literally <laughs> had all these people's numbers. So I, I said, look, the best way I feel like I can handle my connection to these people is try to get them help. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right. get them somewhere where they're not going to, you know, be in a terrible environment where no one's sober, no one's, or hardly anyone's getting help. And so we did it that way. And some of these guys will do the same thing. They'll okay. say, like, I've got these friends that, yeah, if I go home, they're still there and they are still getting high. Well, we'll try to encourage them to see, well, what can we do to help them? I got it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have people you needed to communicate that to as well? Yeah. I mean, the only two people that I sent anything to do with disconnect from was my ex-boyfriend okay. who we were using together for years um, and another friend of mine who I was using with. And then a couple of girlfriends that I had from down South, I went to reach out to and um, one of them was doing well now. So I was happy to hear about that. Good. Another one, her phone is was disconnected and no one has heard from her. So I'm uh, assuming the worst. Okay. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's such a big step, though, when you think about it, because you, you create different effects on the people around you, and it's a good thing to take responsibility for. Yeah. And it's also during this step that some of the relationships with the family starts getting healed. Right. Yes, because, definitely. Right. You know, those are some of the biggest relationships we damage. 
right. um, through our addiction are the people that are closest to us. Right. So also during this part, you know, people are going to start to reestablish communication and clean things up with the family. And uh, it's actually a pretty amazing process. It's uh, When I did it, my, my parents were still very, very upset with me, but it was a good step in the right direction. Um, shows that you're actually doing the right thing and trying to move forward. Yeah, well, sometimes... Yeah, sometimes, as we know, because you, ha- have, you have that relationship with one of your staff members, you know, who's estranged from his father, and, you know, it's going to take a while to mend that bridge, because yeah. some of those bridges are not just burned, they are just fried and exploded, and there's no way. But a lot of times you can rebuild a stronger bridge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, typically, because I think a lot of times what led to the addiction in the first place was perhaps a relationship that wasn't working so well. And so you get, you get, you know, you get, you look at all of that and then you can yeah. make it even better. Yeah. So I bet your mom is like super happy. Oh, she's so proud. <laughs> I love that. Your mom is awesome, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm really blessed to have her. She is awesome. Another interview. Yeah. should interview the mom. I interviewed Jason's parents. Oh, a, really? Oh, yeah. It was she a really... would love to. And she's like 10 minutes away. So. Oh, absolutely. We should definitely do that. Because it's a, it, because <laughs> she like would I, love it. Because, that would be awesome. Because like I say, I think that our listening audience is more friends and family of addicts who are mm-hmm. looking for solutions. Because I, I'm, I'm not a former addict, but I doubt that when you're a former addict or when you're an addict and you're in the middle of it, most of the time, except for when you finally called your mom and said you needed help, mm-hmm. you're not on there Googling, where can I go to get rehab? Exactly. You know, <laughs> unless it's a... You know, where can I get the fastest rehab and get in and out yeah. quickly? So I know my so, mom has really been there to pick me up every time I've fallen. I'm so grateful for her. I love that. Yeah. I love do you have siblings? I do. I have an older brother. He lives in Tampa. Um, okay. He's come to visit me a few times too. He's really proud of me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So what now for you, Jillian? Are you going to stay up here? Are you going to go back down south? Are you going to? Oh, no, I'm definitely staying in Clearwater, uh, but I'm actually going to stay and do the senior student program at Narconon, too. Oh, good. You know, that's really something that I thought was awesome and so much different than my past treatment centers is that (laughs) they give you an opportunity to stay on and, like, continue learning, gaining new skills towards a brighter future, more sobriety, more control and commitment. Like, I just thought it was awesome. Like, I've never heard of any place doing something like that. Yeah. So I was like, I would be silly not to take this opportunity, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you gonna are you gonna maybe work there? Is that what that means or not? Yeah, necessarily? So this, the, the senior student program by design is uh an extended it's basically an extended program. Right. And it's completely complimentary. Okay. After you complete the program, if that's something you want to do. And when you're doing the senior student program, you basically you move to uh, staff housing, um, and you come in every day and learn how to do the different posts and jobs at Narconon while you're also continuing to work on yourself, continue having a structured environment um, and be surrounded by a really good group of people. So if anything else, you know, it's just a longer period of structure, um, working, gaining new skills and being able to move forward in life. Most people do stay on and become staff after this. It's six months long. So after that, they become. Yeah. And then some stay and, you know, continue stay, with Narcanon. Some, some go. I always tell people, man, it's not for everybody. It is yeah. a uh, working at Narcanon, and I've done it for a very long time. Working at Narcanon is a lifestyle decision, it's not just a job. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're not going to get rich. You're not going to get rich at Narcanon. But what you are going to do is you are, let me rephrase that. You're not going to get rich monetarily. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to get rich mentally and spiritually yeah. because of the people that you help. Definitely. You know? Yeah. 
It's a good thing. Well, thank you again so much for coming today because um, you're absolutely delightful. Like I said, when you walked in, I'm like, no way. I mean, not that any of the students that come in, I would go, oh, there's a former addict if I met you on the street. Right. But you are just so bright and you, you're you just so bright and shiny. And I'm, okay, I'm not just trying to be flattering. You do look like you're about 18 years old. I'm sorry. If I asked my husband how old Thank you were, he'd you. think you were 18. I appreciate it. And you know, the, when they asked me if I wanted to come on and speak, I was like, didn't even think about it. I was like, yes, of course. Like, that's, that's awesome. one of the things I can do is share my story to help other people that are still stuck in addiction out there. Like, I'm more than willing. So I thank you for having me. Really appreciate that. Next up, we will get your mother on. Yes, I will <laughs> let her know. Next week, go. it's going to be mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we could go Jillian part two. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Jason, we're going to do this again next week. Yeah, we are. Maybe we'll get Jillian's mom, or if not, we'll do something else. Um, still working on a... A good buddy of mine who's quite a success story. And also, you know, Erica, that I happened to randomly be sitting. Were you at the at the graduation when there was a girl named Erica? Who stood up and told, yeah. 25 years? Yes, and I, I definitely there. want to get, get her on the Absolutely. podcast if we can. Because there's someone who did the program 25 years ago when it was a somewhat different program. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of the same components that you have now. But definitely not what, we're, what, what you're looking at now at Narcanon. And here she is 25 years later. You know, it's amazing. Yep. yep. That's a true success story. And she works for a very, I don't know how to put it. She works for a couple that I know they're hugely successful. He's a musician. She's a photographer. She sells um, skincare products and Erica works for them. So, wow. Anyway, thank you again, Jason, next week. We'll see you then. And, uh... There's a grad- is there a graduation coming up? Yes. The I next believe. one will be mine, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Next one's going to be yours. <laughs> so is that, that's not tomorrow, though. That'll mm-hmm. be next week? I'm not sure. I'll have to get back to you on that. I believe it's going to be next week. Okay, cool. To be determined. I know. I think we're trying to make an event out of it. Yeah. Is what I hear. So I can see usually, that. I like that. Usually the event, the event graduations, like she graduated yesterday, it might be in like two or three weeks. Right. Just so we have time to like invite people and kind of build it so that people know what's happening. We can get people there and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I believe it's more likely what we're doing for her. Good. So if that's the case, it'll probably be in about a week. Next week or a week after. Uh, yeah, I mean a week or two. I like that. And one of the things we mentioned to the judge yesterday was to come to graduation because you know, she didn't really talk to any of the students that were right. there. So she saw the whole program and, and toured the whole facility, but didn't really get to talk to anybody. So we'd be good yeah. for her to come next week. We'll see you then. We're going to keep repeating the message. If you're listening to this podcast um, and you know someone who is addicted or you yourself are addicted, you need to get help and you need to do it sooner rather than later. And uh, we have air conditioning at Narconauts on Coast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and great food. Well, I know I started the whole thing with saying I'm, I feel bad for all the people out there melting in the heat okay. that are having addiction right? problems. So. Don't, don't melt in the heat. Come to Narconon and get sober. <laughs> That's our message. Okay, next week, Jason. Thank you, Jillian. Bye, Jason. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 